Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host Ed and on today's show we're going to talk about PSG's wins over Nantes and Real Sociedad, the bombshell reporting earlier this week regarding Kylian Mbappe, and so much more. We really have so much to talk about. I hope we can get to all of it. And here to help me do it, we have Ethan from PSG Fan Club Boise. Ethan, thanks so much for joining the show. Settle in because we have a lot to talk about. Uh, are you ready to do this, Ethan? Yeah, let's get it going. Let, what we're going to do with this podcast is we're going to try to take things chronologically. We're going to go back uh, to Monday, Tuesday of this past week. We're going to start there. So according to the reports that we're seeing, Kylian Mbappe, he's communicated with Nasser Al-Khalifi on Tuesday, I believe it was. This is the day before PSG's match against Real Sociedad, that he intended to see out the remainder of his contract and leave as a free agent. If true, if that is when Mbappe communicated his intentions, Ethan, what do you make of that specific timing? The day before a Champions League match, that's when he communicates. What do you make of that? Yeah, man, I I hope you have a better better answer than I do because I don't know if I've got a great one, but a couple things that that stand out is uh, I, I'm a bit of an optimist, uh, so I'm thinking, well, maybe he's trying to give as much time as as humanly possible to prepare for the next season. Uh, maybe he'd like to have this all squared away before we start our Champions League run because he doesn't know if it's going to be two or up to seven matches long. So, um, you know, and that's starting, that's the knockouts. Essentially, you know, you play two to seven matches, uh, seven if you make the final. So um, I, I would hope that maybe it's out of a, hey, I'm going to prep you and I, I want you guys to be prepared, have the most time to get that sorted. It could also be, I wonder if, if there's any, can be any movement as far as uh, now that there's going to be a bidding war essentially for him. And I think we all basically know where he's going to end up, uh, but it'll give other clubs, maybe Arsenal, Liverpool, uh, doubt Barcelona, but maybe, and then maybe some other club out of the blue, give, give him a chance to put in a bid and, and present their offer to Mbappe that he can consider it compared to the Real Madrid offer, which we all expect him to take. So um, that's that's kind of what I thought, but I wanted to know, you have anything? Yeah, because my answers there were pretty vanilla, nothing crazy, yeah. but I want to know what, what, what did you take from that? I think I'm, uh, unfortunately, we're not, we're not starting out with a bunch of bangers here and hot takes. I think I'm with you. Uh, I think that Mbappe, he made his decision up. There was also reports that PSG were kind of coming to him with, multiple offers hey what if we do this what if we do that what about we you know give you one year with an option and like all this stuff and maybe he was like i've made my mind up i don't want any more offers let's just like calm i'm gonna let you know what my intentions are and we can move forward so i wonder if that kind of forced him that then was when he was gonna do it it is interesting that it was the day before a champions league match but we don't know what PSG were doing on their end maybe they were giving him some ultimatums hey we need to know before the Champions League or something like that we we don't know what the dynamic was so um it's it's uh it's interesting you can certainly speculate you could say oh he's trying to derail the season but I, I don't think that's the case at all I think as we saw today against Nantes he he seems pretty locked in so I don't think he's trying to derail anything um I just think he has finally made his decision up and he wanted to communicate that as early as possible. It's uh, 
We're going to get into sort of the meat of this story a little bit later, but I think the earlier PSG knows now that they can go in and start identifying replacements. So I'm with you. I think he just made his mind up, didn't want to listen to any more offers and wanted to get it over with as soon as possible. A lot more on this, um, on this story later in the podcast, but I want to go as we're going chronologically. Then came Wednesday. And PSG hosted Real Sociedad at the Parc des Princes in the round of 16 in the Champions League. PSG ultimately won that match 2-0 with goals from Kylian Mbappe and Bradley Barkla, both in the second half. I thought Luis Enrique made uh, the interesting choice to start Fabian Ruiz over, say, uh, Ugarte. And I thought uh, Baraldo uh, starting uh, on the, on the, as a left back, I think it was, I thought that was also interesting. What did you think, as we kind of focus in on this match, what did you think of the lineup, the tactics, and, and the style of play PSG displayed in the first half compared to the second half? Just give me your take on that uh, that win on Wednesday. Yeah, so the lineup, uh, I, I, I kind of thought that they he might start Ruiz. That makes sense. Uh, he was expecting uh, a, a heavy Sociedad press, and Ruiz has been... Uh, he's kind of turned into, you know, last season he was more of an eight for us and he didn't do that well. This year he's figured it out more and he's been a better eight and a better six. So uh, he's been kind of the, the def- at least in the last month or so, the defensive midfielder that uh, Lucho relies on when he knows that we're going to face a heavy press. Ruiz is a lot better on the ball than Ugarte. Uh, I'd say his tackling is is actually pretty similar. It's been real comparable this season, uh, both very good. But uh, Ugarte is a lot better in matches like the one today against Nantes that just ended, but we'll touch on that one later. But um, against the press, I don't. I did not hate starting Ruiz there. Uh, now, I don't know if Lucas Hernandez wasn't fit or what, but uh, when I saw Baraldo in the lineup and then I saw who else was in defense, you knew he was going to play left back. And that scared me. I did not like that. Um, especially he was against uh, Kubo for a lot of the night. And uh, Kubo cooked him for the most part. Uh, luckily, it didn't result in any goals. But um, yeah, that, I thought that was a bit risky. But other than that, I liked the, le- the rest of the lineup. Uh, yeah, I thought everything there was, was about as expected. Um, now, in the first half, the game kind of went how I expected, actually. I feel like I, in my head, I predicted it sort of well that we'd start slow, have to figure out, uh, the kind of feel the game out. Um, I think I tweeted at halftime of that match that this is sort of what I expected. we got to get used to the way that they're going to press. You know, there's watching film and, and, and seeing how Sociedad play only do you so much good. You just kind of have to experience it for yourself just because there's not a lot of teams in Europe that press better than them. Um, and, I mean, we should have been up 1-0. The only decent chance that half for either side was Mbappe's uh, shot that was saved in the sixth minute. But other than that, the first half was, uh, you know, just slow. No one wanted to make the first mistake, really. So uh, it's it kind of was how I thought. I mean, I think before the, the tie started, I was projecting that we were going to advance 3-2 on aggregate. And so that's that's like a 2-1 and a 1-1 game. Didn't expect a bunch of goals. So that scoreless first half was um, sort of what I would have predicted. Yeah, so I will say throughout the whole match, but uh, the first half as well, of course, 
Sociedad didn't, they looked incapable of scoring. And that kind of goes back to they've, they haven't scored in their past four or five matches now. And um, they had yeah, zero they, shots on target. No shots on target. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. Uh, I think yeah, they, they did have one that hit the crossbar, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it, it hit the crossbar. It yeah. would have needed to be several inches lower to go in. It hit the top of the crossbar. But um, yeah, it's they just have not been able to get anything going uh, on offense. And um, I, I can't remember Oyarsa ball for them. Did he get subbed on in the second half? I know he didn't start. He's been real good for them in attack this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just recently, even with or without him, they've just really struggled lately. And so I, I was kind of saying last week, it's a stoppable force against a movable object. You know what? Uh, is the bad offense going to beat the bad defense? And for us, the, the, the bad defense of PSG was able to get the win in that matchup. So um, I don't know. What, what were your takeaways? Um, you could touch on what I said as well. But yeah, what stood up to you? Yeah, what stood out to me, I, I didn't initially, I didn't love Fabian Ruiz. I think he is a, a really good squad player, but he's not, he wouldn't be the first name that comes to mind and says, oh yeah, we need him starting in the in the uh, knockout stage of the Champions League. So I was a little bit worried. And then you had Baraldo, who, who was in his first Champions League match. I was like, mm, I don't know if I love that and keeping uh, Louis, uh, Lucas Hernandez on the bench. So I thought initially, I was like, is this Luis Enrique overthinking this a little bit too much? And in that first half, I, I certainly was uh, backed up on that because I thought Fabio Ruiz was struggling. I thought that Barada really wasn't offering too much, uh, but it's hard to really tell because Real Sociedad just don't have anything really going forward. So he didn't stand out as much, but I thought our midfield was really not doing well in that first half. And, I, and ultimately, I thought that Real Sociedad were being coached and were executing better at what they wanted to do compared to, I guess, what PSG were trying to do. So that first half, I was just left very frustrated. And then we come out in the second, and wow, surprisingly, Kylian Mbappe is able to score off a, a corner kick, so off a set piece here. Um, I think it was he was at the back post. Someone, maybe it was Marquinhos, had headed the ball, and Kubo was marking Mbappe for reasons unknown. And he sort of left Mbappe to be all alone at the, the back post, and he was able to just roof his shot right into the goal to give PSG the lead. And once that went in, then Real Sociedad had to loosen up a little bit. And then you started seeing the spaces opening up. And and that's when we saw who I think maybe he's not going to reach Kylian Mbappe levels. I think that's going to be very difficult. But Bradley Barkula has shades uh, of Kylian Mbappe. He has a lot of skills that Kylian Mbappe possesses. And we saw that in his goal in the 70th minute when he sort of took that heavy touch in order to beat the defender, kind of lure him in and his pace. And then that toe poke finish to beat the the keeper was just outstanding. It is exactly the type of goal that you would see Kylian Mbappe score in, in this kind of a moment in the Champions League. So I was just blown away by that goal. And it isn't just like a, a one-time thing. Barkula has been playing like this in league on for several matches now. And he comes in on this stage, isn't phased at all and, and scores a goal like that. To put PSG up to nothing, and, and that was in the 70th minute. So PSG had 20 more minutes to finish out the game, and they they really should have probably gotten a third and really just ended this tie. So I'm a little bit nervous. Two nil is good, 
But having to go to Spain, it's going to be uh, a raucous atmosphere. They're going to have to hold on. And if they give up one goal, I'm going to start getting a little nervous. So plus all the distraction, as we're going to get into here in a minute, all the distraction that's swirling, you start getting worried. But as we saw today against Nantes, PSG are really becoming this second-half team. Um, and credit to Luis Enrique. Uh, there was, I think it was Marquinhos said that he's not going to repeat what uh, Luis Enrique said at halftime, but he he made it clear that he was uh, getting into the players somewhat. So I'd love to hear that from a manager, that he was able to go in at halftime, make adjustments, um, and fire up the guys. I think that's going to really bode well for PSG moving forward. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with uh, just about everything you said. Um, yeah, a couple things. I don't, I'm not quite sure exactly what sort of midfield changes that Luis Enrique made at halftime, but whatever it was, it, it sort of worked. And uh, yeah, that, I think what you said about kind of assessing the opponent and then coming out in the second half with a better plan, uh, I, I would agree with that. I think, uh, I, I don't think Warren Zyre Emery had the best day ever, but in the second half, he seemed, I noticed he seemed a little bit more technically sound. Uh, he wasn't, his first touch, his passing was a bit better. And uh, until about the last five minutes of the match, I feel that we played our way out of their press a lot better than we did in the first half. So, um, yeah, from the, the first 40 minutes of the second half, I feel like we're a lot better, a lot more cohesive. You saw Vitinha did really well yeah. um, in midfield, breaking yeah. through their press. Zaire Emery, I'm with you, didn't have an amazing game, but he's just so physically strong that he's able to some of the real sociedad uh, players were just kind of bouncing off of him he was able to keep the ball and kind of break through that way and then fabio and ruiz did really well in the midfield in the second half as well so he did exactly what i thought luis enrique was hoping he would do is be that really technically gifted footballer in the middle of the park who can break through that press and um, it, it ended up working out so i don't know if he made any adjustments i just think it ultimately his initial decisions worked out in the long run for him. Yeah, agree. And uh, I remember you and I were both we both tweeted after the first goal. We were like, "Holy cow, we scored from a corner!" Uh, that's yeah. just that's remarkable. You don't see that from PSG very often. No. Um, but that Marquinhos, the the header that he had was it, it was basically the same exact thing that I think they did against. Was it Milan in November or so, uh, where it was off of a corner, and I think Marquinhos headed it, same thing, back post, and Skriniar was sitting there. Uh, it's sort of the same thing. Yeah, it's uh, even though PSG is not a a good aerial team, our aerial duels we 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 lose most of them. You know, we're one of the worst teams uh, left in European competitions at that. But I will say we've got two guys that that do really well. In the air, and that's Marquinhos and Skriniar. Uh, now, of course, Skriniar was not on the pitch. Right? Well, he's been injured for weeks now, but um, that's really the only thing. When I see us lining up for a corner, uh, almost all the time for the past two years, I've just been looking at Marquinhos because I'm thinking if the ball is going to go to someone, it'll most likely be him. Sometimes Danilo as well when he's on the pitch. But uh, I was watching, I saw it going right towards Marquinhos. I thought he was just going to shoot from it, but then he laid it off, put it to the back post, and as soon as I saw Mbappe sitting there, I, I knew it was a goal. So, yeah, just great stuff from him. Um, 
you know, for all the mistakes that he's made, all the the times where he just has barely missed out on, you know, potentially making really clutch blocks or tackles in the Champions League, uh, he's always been a very good aerial threat. So, yeah, and then the Barkola goal was was also yeah. Really I want good. you to talk about Barkola because he's been on a tear here recently, and I mean, yeah. am I crazy to say that he's he's got some Mbappe to him? Like he's got some of the same skill set. You know, it's it. Yeah, no, you're really right. He he's almost Dembele esque already. Uh, I'd say one thing that Dembele is a lot better at cutting inside than Barkola is, uh, but Dembele's absolutely world class at the way he does that. So. For Barkola to not be at that level, but I think have similar attributes and talent in just about every other facet is uh, to Dembele is phenomenal. His finishing uh, has been better this season than Dembele, but yeah, the, with yeah. the two of them on the wing, if you just get the ball out to them with any sort of space, if they're facing a defender, yep. my money is on either Dembele or Barkola every single time. There's no defender that can stop them one-on-one. Yeah, they're just way too quick. Um, and you know, the, the good thing about being a winger like that is you don't have to win all the time or most of the time. But if you if you win one out of four, one out of three dribbles like that, then you're just gonna you're gonna be creating loads and loads of chances per game. So yeah, I, I absolutely love um, when I we get the ball out wide to either of them, and there's only one defender, and that that defender is totally isolated. You know, it's it's one v one. And I'm just thinking, all right, well, this defender is probably going to get cooked here. Is what usually happens if if our guy decides to to make a you know a run. So uh, yeah, really good stuff to see. Um, I totally I thought for sure when he had that touch because his first touch has has failed him a little bit this year for Barkova, and I thought it was going to again on that uh, the goal he scored. And I was like, oh, that's a heavy touch. And then he's got such a long stride, and he's and he's quick enough. And he got there, and just when he scored, I was thinking, "Wow, that is that is insanely impressive." Like he he was like running on the edge of losing control, but he was yeah. still in control. Yeah. And like something about that is yeah. is highly entertaining from a spectator point it, of view. It, it, like it really he's is, right on yeah. the line of giving the ball away and overrunning the the ball and all that, and he he just stayed with it and. He, it seemed like he kept the ball. It was like on a string, but it yeah. was at the end of the string. You know what I mean? Oh, is it the very end? Yeah, that's yeah. a good way to put it. Yeah, that's how I felt about that goal. Yeah, great stuff. Um, so PSG will, uh, on March 5th, if I'm not mistaken, they will travel to Real Sociedad. Am I correct? You've been to that stadium. What What is awaiting PSG when they go, is this how difficult is this going to be? Because we've seen PSG struggle on the road in the Champions League this season. So, yeah, what do you what do you think about that? What do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I've been to San Sebastian. I've been to the Anoeta, as they usually call it. Uh, I will admit, I was I have not been there for a game, uh, but I did a stadium tour. Got to go on it. Got to uh, walk just right next to the the pitch. But uh, I have mentioned before that Sociedad is the only La Liga team that I watch consistently. Um, outside PSG, uh, Sociedad and Stuttgart in the Bundesliga, those are the only teams that I follow consistently. Just because I have, uh, you know, little familial connections, or I don't, I don't have a connection to uh, Sociedad. But uh, other than that, Boise here uh, has a, a massive Basque population, biggest in the U.S. Um, so that's that's kind of why I traveled there way back. Want to have you do some like man on the street interviews with some. Real Sociedad fans there get their yeah. take on it. Yeah, you know, I, I thought about uh, watching the first leg at uh, at one of the local bars in the Basque district, 
the one the one that is the official uh you know bar that we partner with for the fan club here in Boise uh is it's very close to the Basque district just a couple blocks away but for the second leg I, I might go down there and watch it there cuz I know there'll be a lot of people in Sociedad kits um and like I I I know some some uh it's kind of weird to think like imagine finding some random fan of some seemingly random team just in 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 your city in the western US but uh there's a lot of uh Athletic Club Bilbao and Real Sociedad fans here in Boise like I said that's attributing the Basque population but um yeah I've I've been to the stadium I watch a lot of their matches and um they that stadium is is loud I know it's made the rounds lately on social media that uh, I forget I don't even think it was against their rival Athletic Club but uh, I think most of us have seen that video where everyone in the stadium is, they got arms around each other and they're bouncing up and down. I can't remember what they call that. Is that the Poznan? Yeah, the Poznan. That's what yeah. it is. They're all doing the Poznan, the whole stadium, uh, something like 50,000 people or so. And just the the stadium shaking. And it's it's a very loud atmosphere. Uh, it's Real Sociedad is an extremely proud club. They... Mm. I know that they don't have the Basque-only policy like their rivals do, but um, their manager has been there for forever. Uh, Imanol uh, Aguasil, he's been there a long, long time. M- many of the, They actually mentioned this on the broadcast during the first leg, but many of the guys that uh, played minutes for Sociedad on Wednesday are guys that uh, Aguasil uh, managed when he was the coach of the B team years ago so it's a tight-knit club um yeah very proud club uh, i think the basque uh basque country is just absolutely beautiful it's it's just an amazing area uh i need to go back soon and i, I remember for the group stage i was saying that if sociedad were drawn in our group then i was going to have to go to uh the away leg didn't happen and now in the spring it's too late i got too much going on but um yeah i would love to be there but that stadium is loud they're intense and these guys will fight till the very end i mean yeah the the basque uh people they are so passionate about football they're so passionate about um their roots and their origins so uh yeah it's it's going to be an intense atmosphere and i will be nervous if sociedad score the first goal I don't think that we are as prone to collapse as we've seen in the past, but it's it's kind of been you know a lingering issue with this team. So if we score the first goal, even if it's like five minutes in, and then say say Sociedad score in the first half, you know it's one one at the end of the first half, then I'm not that worried. But if they score in the first thirty minutes, then the stadium's going to be very loud. It's going to be intense. They're going to be playing very physical football. So uh, I would not be surprised. And, and these guys are not, they don't play dirty, but these guys play intense. And if they need a goal late and the crowd is behind them and it feels like the momentum of the game is behind them, I would not be surprised if they're just going in with with crazy tackles, trying to make something happen. So that's kind of what I'm expecting for the second leg. Yeah, no, no doubt. I think the atmosphere is going to be incredible. I think PSG should probably pay, play this one a little bit conservative. They've got a two-goal lead. 
uh, the away goal thing isn't a thing anymore. So I think what PSG should do is Real Sociedad really struggles to score goals. So maybe you sit back a little bit, absorb a little bit of the pressure, don't get forward. You don't need to score goals. And you just play a counterattack game because they have to come out and they have to score. So they're, they're going to they're gonna push forward and you have the ultimate counting counterattack player in Kylian Mbappe and then Barcola and Dembele. So you just release them into acres of space uh, once Real Sociedad gets a little bit uh, too too much forward. And I think that's the game you play. And I think that's a smart way to go. And I, I don't think PSG will be under too much pressure because, again, Real Sociedad have really been struggling to score goals both against PSG and in recent results we've seen. Uh, they just aren't able to score and don't really have that that marquee striker that a lot of the, the big Champions League teams have. So I think that's the probably the smart way to play it. So, uh, Ethan, any other thoughts on Real Sociedad on Wednesday before we move to the news from Thursday? Anything else? Um. Uh, I can't think of anything, no. All right, well, let's get into it. Every, everybody uh, listening is probably waiting for us to talk about this. So Thursday, Fabrizio Romano, I'm going to say it was probably around midday for us, maybe evening time for everyone in, in Paris and Europe. But it was on Thursday, uh, Fabrizio Romano, David Ornstein, pretty much every top-tier journalist, they were all reporting the same thing. I don't know who had it first. It might have been Fabrizio. And it was that the news was that Mbappe has made the decision to leave PSG. We had heard this in January. There were some other reports uh, that came out, but it, it was kind of sprinkled here and there and always came like with another report that said oh, Mbappe had made a decision. This is the first time where we had so many top tier journalists all together, all saying the same thing. So it kind of had a little bit more belief to it. Um you know, but we still haven't heard from the club, and we still haven't heard from PSG. But all all the reports from everyone that you would typically trust says that Mbappe has made the decision, um, and that's also when we learned that Mbappe had communicated to Nasser and the club uh, on Tuesday that he intended to leave. We already talked about that timing, but what do you think about the timing of the story come out that the leak came out on Thursday? Who do you think let the news out? What do you make of that whole? The whole day on Thursday of this news breaking. Why then? Who leaked it? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think if we had to put money on it, uh, it's it was probably Mbappe's camp that I think personally. I know some people think it was Real Madrid, and um, I'm sure that Florentino Perez and the rest of the Real Madrid board and staff. I'm sure they were notified uh, his you know that he wasn't extending with us probably the same day that he told Nasser on Tuesday, but um, so it definitely could have been Real Madrid, but uh, I think, you know, Mbappe hasn't made a decision of where he wants to go. So I don't, I would, I think it would have been unlikely to see him make some sort of post saying I'm leaving because that almost sounds like a farewell post, but we still have plenty of the season left. So because he hadn't decided where he wanted to go, he just knew he wasn't going to stay. Uh, I, I'm going to guess that it was Mbappe's camp. Um, I, I could be wrong, though. But uh, they they do really like to control what uh, the image of, of Killian is. And I don't blame him. You know, it's this is his parents that are behind a lot of this. And they, they kind of have a brand to protect. But, yeah, once we saw that, because I think I had mentioned on another podcast, all my buddies... Uh, reached out to me in January when the report from Le Parisien came out 
saying, oh, Mbappe's leaving. And I was driving around all day that day and trying to respond to stuff while I'm at red lights and stuff, um, saying like, no, guys, like this is not a good source. Uh, just because ESPN and Bleacher Report uh, announced it in the U.S. doesn't mean that it's true. But when I told them, I even said, wait until Fabrizio Romano posts it. He's the, he's the, the Shams or the Woj of, of football Twitter. Because there's, there's just, and a lot of my friends, they didn't realize that European football uh, reporting, news reporting, is just nowhere near as accurate as it is here in the U.S., but when Fabrizio came out with it, and then a couple of the other most respected sources that we all listened to came out and said that he's leaving, then I'm thinking, all right, well, now it's actually true. Uh, of course, he could stay. Nothing's in, in writing, but um, I'm, I'm not going to hold on to some hope. I mean, it's 99.8% sure that he's gone. Um, I think some really weird factors would have to happen for him to uh, consider staying. So. Uh, I'm going to be talking as if he's definitely definitely leaving. Um, if just some shocking revelation comes up that that says differently, then we'll go from there. But um, yeah, that's I was waiting on the Fabrizio report or the tweet on it. Uh, once you hear that, you know it's it's almost certainly correct. He's yeah, he is he's, wrong. he's gotten it wrong in the past, but he has. You know, but David far, Ornstein and others, yeah, he gets it wrong far less, far far less than the average. Uh, even reliable reporter. Yeah. But. Yeah. So for me, I think, I don't know if Mbappe would have let this come out. And it's because everything that we've heard before is that he does not like talking about his future during the season. And it's not like PSG are out of the Champions League or anything. They're still in it and they just won. They have a really good chance to get to the next stage. It's, it seems out of character for Mbappe or his camp to be the ones to let this out. We remember in 2022, um, he didn't make his decision until I think it was the last home game of the season, which I think was the last game of the season. And so I had written a piece that, like, we probably won't hear from Mbappe until the last, you know, the, maybe the week before the last home game this season, because he really does like to just stay to himself, stay calm. He doesn't like to be a distraction. Even though sometimes by not saying anything, you can kind of be a distraction because people then are led to speculate. So I thought that he probably did tell, as we talked about earlier, he probably did tell Nasser because there were some maybe offers and he was done with it. He's like, look, I'm leaving. And he probably did tell Real Madrid because there's, you know, there's the signing on fee and there's some negotiating with PSG in terms of his loyalty bonus. So maybe he needed to get those gears in motion. And I personally think Real Madrid just couldn't help themselves, and I think someone associated with them probably let this out. And, and so some people may say, well, Fabrizio, you know, he probably gets his information from PSG or Nasser. Real Madrid, they know how to get in touch with any and all journalists at any publication. So I don't know if that's something that we can rely on. When I look at it, the news coming out now, who does that benefit? benefits Real Madrid. It doesn't benefit PSG. It doesn't benefit the French League. And I don't know if it benefits Mbappe because 
he doesn't want his teammates having to deal with this. And we know on March 5th when they had the press conference, what do you think the questions are going to be about? So I don't think it benefits Mbappe, this story coming out now. It only benefits Real Madrid. And then we saw these other glowing uh, reports coming out about Real Madrid, how they were confident and the dressing room knew Mbappe was coming and, and, and that the Real Madrid president really – you know, he was always fond of Mbappe because he called him personally back in 2022 and told him, you know, over the phone that he wasn't coming and all these glowing stories. So if you ask me, I think that the, the leak on Thursday probably came from someone associated with Real Madrid. We had a Twitter spaces after the news came out and I said that PSG should just make sure that the leak didn't come from them because this really kind of hinders them. So I think I would hope it wouldn't have come from any anyone there. but. You know, where the leak came from ultimately doesn't matter. What does matter is it does look like Mbappe will be leaving. I also said that uh, in the Twitter spaces that Mbappe has the chance to do the funniest thing ever, which is do a complete U-turn and prove all those journalists wrong and stay because there are a lot of reasons to stay. Um, We saw the report he's going to be making less money at Real Madrid. We have no idea where he's going to play at Real Madrid. I wouldn't even say that's one of the the top tier leagues. Like if he if Mbappe really wanted to test himself, go to the Premier League. Um, because now with him going to Real Madrid, who's going to challenge Real Madrid in Spain? Do you see anyone that can challenge them in La Liga at all? No. Yeah, Barcelona's uh, their debt problem is still really bad. They actually right. still have Barcelona has a total club payroll. And that's mm-hmm. not just players, but players and staff. They have a higher payroll than we do right now, and we still have Mbappe on staff. And uh, I've talked about this before. I don't know why our staff payroll is is so high. Mm. It was ridiculous, like two three years ago, according to Deloitte. But is it it's, taxes? They they just have to overpay because after I taxes. No, that that could make sense because French taxes are higher, and uh, I believe I've got this right. If you are a foreign player playing in, you know, let's say you're a Spanish player playing in France or vice versa, uh, then you typically get taxed less because most of these countries, like uh, there was a report about this with Italy a couple uh, weeks ago where they had their, this law that was really favorable to bring in foreign players. And that law was set, I don't know, years ago, and it never got renewed within their Congress or however they do that. And so that rule went away. So it'll be a little harder for uh, Italian clubs to attract foreign players in the future because they don't have these very uh, lucrative or advantageous tax laws uh, for bringing in foreign, uh, you know, non-Italian players. All these other leagues still have that, though, especially that that sort of law, that same idea is strongest in La Liga. Uh, And so, I mean, you saw players like when David Beckham went there back in the day. Uh, that dude was paying way less taxes than you would have expected, and that was that's sort of uh, that helped build uh, MSN for Barcelona. That helped build uh, the Galacticos, both of the Galacticos teams for Real Madrid as well. So um, I don't know if I just I, I might have been wrong on this. I did yeah. I just say that MSN was at Real Madrid? Uh, if I did, then obviously we all know that's not true. Yeah. <laughs> Barcelona, but um, you get the point. Both of those clubs they built. Uh, there these really star-studded attacks with foreign players, you know, not a lot of Spanish guys in those lineups. So um, that kind of stuff uh, could, I mean, Mbappe always kind of has the the chance to 
you know, pay less taxes uh, in, in in Spain than he does here. But and I know I'm getting a little sidetracked. I'll try no, and no worries. bring it back to the the main point. But um, overall, I guess I'm gonna be honest. I kind of I kind of lost my train of thought. Well, and, we were talking about you know all the downside to going to Real Madrid. We talked about he's he's going to be earning less. Not that yeah. he's you know drastically less but it is like you can make more money at psg than real madrid and the yes the league is better than league on sure i concede that 100 percent. but is it as good as the premier league is it as competitive top to bottom i don't think it is i don't you know in the premier league he'd have to go up against erling holland and manchester city and and arsenal are coming on so if it's like um a competitive thing that he wants to really be tested against the best go to the premier league yeah, that's, no, that's, yeah, that's a fair point. I just don't think it it is. I think for him, uh, and he's he's mentioned how mm-hmm. he's made hints at the fact that he thinks the whole farmers league accusations for Leon are ridiculous. When Leon made the semifinals of the Champions League in the COVID season, he immediately tweeted out "farmers league" with a bunch of laughing emojis. Uh, so I don't think that's the biggest thing for him. I think it's uh, image or where he's you know. He's mm-hmm. uh, had this idea of playing at Real Madrid for a long time. Uh, also grew up to, an AC Milan supporter. No, I know. That's the thing. It's it's just AC Milan doesn't have anywhere near the financial backing that, that PSG and Real Madrid do. And um, yeah, just AC Milan might have to be something that he, he likes the idea of but never happens. But It, it but just seems odd that he's like... I have to go to Real Madrid because I was a Cristiano Ronaldo fan and I had his posters on my room. So that's the yeah. club I got to go to. And I know the the history yeah. and all that, but it's like, okay, you win them their 15th Champions League title. Yeah, congrats. Great. Or you could win the first at PSG and it would be monumentally more important in the history of football than the 15th at Real Madrid. Oh yeah, they'll be yeah. over it in an hour and be like, "Okay, what are you going to do next?" Oh, seriously, but, yeah. <laughs> after they won it a couple of years ago, uh, they were like so hyped, and then they were like, "All right, like, what are we doing for next season?" It's like, holy cow, it's the same day. Like they're they're so they're numb to winning. It's like uh, it's like if you were a Patriots fan nice. back in the day. Although this would even be worse. It was they were winning more frequently than Brady and and Belichick were in New England. So it you you almost you can't even compare it, but. Uh, yeah, if if he won it at PSG, he without a doubt gets a statue. He is undoubtedly the greatest player in club history, and um, the city of Paris yeah. will talk about this for years. Yeah. Like, I he know wins a it, Ballon d'Or because if you win it at PSG, oh, yeah. oh he'll you, yeah, he you probably won Ligue 1. Correct. And, uh, and you probably did well with France. You're winning the Ballon d'Or. True. Yeah, you're winning the Ballon d'Or if if Mbappe if you're Mbappe and you win the Champions League here without a doubt. Um, yeah, he can achieve everything he wants to achieve sporting-wise here. So for me, it's got to be uh, some other, you know, it's not just a true sporting decision. Because um, I think we, like you said, he he can achieve everything sporting uh, here at, at PSG if need if he wants. And it's clearly not a competition thing or, you know, going to the, the highest level because he isn't going to be in the Premier League next year. So. It's it's a, probably a lot of an image thing, uh, mm-hmm. and and I spoke on this yesterday, I think, but a lot of his uh, 
it's it seems funny like the average fan i think we would have made different decisions if we were in his boots uh, a couple years ago under potch you know the, during the big saga uh we were surprised that he stayed and then he stayed under galtier but now that th- this is the best project we've had in five years now he's <laughs> gonna leave it's just it's interesting timing like you said he's gonna take a pay cut so you can't just say that it's just money. probably giving up on his image rights at least some percentage he probably gets more Likely. percentage at psg yeah probably yeah it's just all these things that it seems like i think the average person would have should pick the other way there uh whereas if if you're if you hadn't left in the past why would you leave now yeah. you know so his mind is not where we all think it is you know the we i feel like we try and you know figure out what's what's his mentality what's his mindset what's he thinking but it's it's clearly on a different wavelength from all of us because he's making the opposite decision that we would in most cases. So, um, I mean, ultimately, is it is his choice. I'm not going to fault him for anything. But um, yeah, I just think I, I think only Killian and his family ultimately know down to the last detail why he's going. You know, because they they know him better than anyone. And, um, a lot of his decisions just don't quite seem to make a lot of sense to us, the average fan. It's fair. Yeah. I mean, and, and credit to Mbappe because he's going to Real Madrid where there will be a lot more media pressure on him. Um, a lot more fan pressure will be on him. All eyes will be on Mbappe. And I would say in that first season, winning La Liga is the absolute bare minimum and it's sort of similar at PSG but is the the bare minimum and we know Barcelona's issues but they do have some nice players there and we know Atletico Madrid so there will be some some challenges there and who knows Real Sociedad might be able to put in a challenge but so winning the league is going to be bare minimum and with Jude Bellingham with Vinicius and Mbappe I would say what semifinals final of the Champions League is the bare minimum in his first season? Would you say that that's fair? And if so, yeah, credit to Mbappe because that is a lot of pressure. And if he doesn't accomplish that, and if he's not the main driver scoring goals and the main contributor, the Real Madrid fans, I would imagine, are, are going to turn up the heat. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, Real Madrid has somehow never won the treble in their club's history. And I think if Mbappe spends five or more years there, if he never wins the treble at one point, I think some fans will be kind of upset. But um, most most of all, like you said, winning La Liga needs to be automatic for them at this point. And then they need to, yeah, they need to be deep, deep. Probably in the, the Copa League. del Rey as well is probably a bare minimum. Yeah, they got to be winning the Copa del Rey like basically every year. And yeah, I would agree. If, if there's ever a year where they don't make the semifinals of the Champions League, that's just an automatic failure. If if you're not in, if you're not playing in at least the second to last Champions League match of the season, then uh, yeah, it's a disappointment. So yeah. yeah, the pressure will be at an all time high on him. Yeah, um, I feel like we'll get so many insane, irrational takes about him. <laughs> um, and then you know, imagine, let's say he yeah. does accomplish everything in the first season. He does win. Is he the main contributor? Is he going to win the Ballon d'Or? Is Jude Bellingham? Because he was on a tear before his ankle injury. You know, he's not going to be playing out on the wing, his favorite position, because Vinicius is there unless they plan to move Vinicius somewhere else. So is he going to win the Ballon d'Or, which we know is important to him as well? Yeah, I think because of media, uh, it's it's a lot of a media award. It's 
uh, you know, I, I feel like a lot of players, I can't remember exactly who said it, but some really big player, I think retired guy, just a couple days ago said, these individual awards are so much, so, so heavily based on marketing and uh, the media perception of you. So I, I think he will be the face there. If you're Jude Bellingham, and if you really care about individual awards, then this is a huge loss for you because you're going to have to have more goal contributions than Mbappe each year to stand a chance at the Ballon d'Or, I think. And Jude's going to be playing in a position that he's comfortable with, and we've seen what he's been able to do without uh, Mbappe there. I don't, I, I just still don't, even with Mbappe playing as a true, uh, well, maybe not like it's a true nine, but maybe a wide forward. He won't be on the wing exclusively. Uh, even with that, and even with Jude Bellingham playing as this uh, uh, 8-10 hybrid that he really likes, or even just a straight 10 attacking midfielder, I still don't see him getting more goal contributions than Mbappe. So I think Mbappe will win a, a, a bunch of Ballon d'Ors in the, next, in the coming seasons. But uh, yeah, Jude Bellingham, um, which at the end of the day, players I feel like will definitely take uh, club trophies over individual awards. But uh, in my opinion, I think Jude can basically kiss an individual awards uh, <laughs> goodbye. And what will be amazing um, as we look to maybe transition to the next topic here is uh, if PSG win a Champions League either this season with Mbappe or if PSG wins it before Mbappe at Real Madrid. Yeah, absolute scenes, right? Yeah, if they win uh, this season or or, or maybe next season without yeah. Mbappe, and they win one before. I mean, that I, in the piece that I wrote over on Substack was basically saying that every player at PSG should now have a chip on their shoulder, whether it's true or not. They should just have the mindset: Mbappe doesn't think I'm good enough to win. That he That's doesn't think point. he can win with me, yeah. and that that should motivate you to beat him. To a Champions League title. I love that. Yeah, I and love we've that. We've never had that sort of motivation. It's always been, oh, PSG, all this money, but they should, of course, win. We should now, okay, he's gone. Maybe now PSG have this underdog mentality, and Barkley will be like, you, you think Vinicius is better than me, and he is, but that should be his mentality and say, I'm going to train harder than ever before, and I'm going to prove that I can do it, and we're going to win, and that should be the mentality, right? Yeah, totally agree. A couple things on that that I want to touch on is uh, when Mbappe leaves, we will not have a single player on this squad that we bought for over $95 million. Muani will be the most expensive guy. Is he 60, um, 65? Uh, well, well, Muani was 95, but like 90, Ra- okay. Ramos was 60. Hakimi was 68. Barcola was like 40, 45, something. 45. Nuno yeah. Mendes was 40, I think. Uh, Vitinha 40 or 45. Yeah, so it'll be a lot of guys that we bought for, and of course, 45 million or 60 million. That's a lot of money. But uh, Real Madrid have uh, Bellingham and Mbappe, which I know they're not buying Mbappe, but um, they'll be paying him something like 50 plus million a year. And they bought Jude Bellingham for a hundred and something million. Uh, yeah, you're, you're totally right. The, the pressure will be on them to win. And I love, I love that piece of in the Champions League. I mean, imagine if next season, which UEFA might just do this uh, yeah. for the scenes, but and you already know what I'm going to say. If they put us and Real Madrid in the same group, if it's even possible, which I don't think it will be, uh, but if by some weird miracle we're in different pots, 
I promise you we're going to end up in the same group. Um, well, I think we're going to probably play, play them this season. And yeah, if they can rig it so we play them, you know, every season or every other season, I think they would love that. And I mean, just yeah. imagine, you know, Barclow and Xavi Simmons leading PSG into a Champions League oh, final and man. Mbappe and Real Madrid got knocked out by like Leipzig or something. I mean, how, if, if there's a football God, right? We PSG fans have been through a lot. Can we mm-hmm. have that? Can we, can PSG win a Champions League? With Mbappe gone before he wins one with Real Madrid, yeah, that would. If be... we have that, I'm good. I'm good with the game. Whatever happens after that for years, I don't care. That that's my moment. That's all I care I'm, about. I'm totally with you. <laughs> that would be, and I want to win it with Mbappe, but uh, I just don't think oh, this team. Yeah, if we could win it this year, amazing. But yeah, if not, and he leaves, then it's we... going to be. I don't. I won't dislike him. I'll still like him, and uh, I want him yeah. to do well while simultaneously wanting madrid to play poorly mm-hmm. um but uh yeah if if <laughs> it would be just just about the craziest thing ever yeah if, if we don't win it this year then i will be praying to the football gods that man if if you're out there if if the football gods if you could redeem yourselves for la remontada mm-hmm. that class united yeah the, that was my next bit the 2020 Champions League final, uh, the Real Madrid collapse a couple years ago, and several other moments. If you if you could redeem yourself and just give us this one moment for us to win the Champions League before them, I mean, it, social media would blow up. Uh, I, I would even say yeah. if you if they would let us win a Champions League before Mbappe and Real Madrid, <laughs> like if the next season we got relegated to League Two. I'd be okay with that. I think I'd that's, be okay with that. That's funny. Yeah, well, I mean, because we would go right back up. But right. uh, I'd be yeah. fine. I'll take a season, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it'd be amazing. Well, yeah. we're talking a little bit about the future, Ethan. I want to ask you because looking ahead, it's being reported that PSG this summer are, are going to make two, three big signings, a couple world class players, some of the names being thrown about Victor Oshman at Napoli. Uh, Benjamin Sesco over at Leipzig, Lenny Euro, who we know at Lille, uh, your guy Bernardo Silva, Manchester City, and even today Marcus Rashford, which I don't put a lot of credit into that, but he's a name that's out there. Um, all of them mentioned as maybe a player PSG would entertain signing this summer. Who do you want? Are there any names attractive to you? Are there specific positions where there's a hole in the squad? What do you? What kind of business? Because PSG are going to have to be what is that? Two hundred million. Uh, from when Mbappe leaving, they, they're going to have the loyalty bonus coming back. So we're going to have money to spend. How do you want him to spend that? Yeah, yeah. We're going to have his $72 million annual wages plus. I, I personally think the $200 million uh, figure that people are putting out is overblown. But uh, certainly with all the bonuses, we'll be saving at least $100 million a year. That's for sure. My, let's, my say, guess, let's say maybe 150, 125, yeah, I, somewhere in that my, range. My guess total. is like 125, but but either way, that's that's an, that's a ridiculous amount of money um, for a guy leaving on a free transfer. Maybe the 200 million is thinking, you know, 72 million in wages plus his annual bonus plus the loyalty bonus that he's giving yes. us back. So, and that's what they're negotiating now. Yeah. I think I saw that 200 million from David Ornstein in the in the yeah, athletics. So I can I, see that. Yeah, it's yeah. like a, this next year we'll save 200 million. In the future, it'll probably just be the salary plus whatever bonus. But yeah, so it's it, it's an insane amount either way. Um, and for me, it's it's real simple. I of course Lucho and and Luis Campos they know far better than I do. But 
in my head, I feel like it makes perfect sense to do not buy an attacker. Uh, we bought Mbappe's replacement this summer for 4 million euros, Xavi Simmons. Uh, we already got him. Yeah, is he as pacey? Is he as good? No, obviously not. He's worth like 75 million right now, uh, according to like Transfermarkt and those other websites. And we just bought the guy for 4 million. We basically sent him on a $4 million uh, loan to PSV and then loaned him out again. And so it's, we, we've got our guy on, on, we've got our guy there. And there was something about the 18 month loan because PSG wanted to maybe transfer him. And I, if they did, yeah. all the funds would go back to PSV. So that's why they did the 18 month loan, yeah. but now they want him sooner. So that's why they got to negotiate with Leipzig. It's very complicated. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I believe those reports, but um, yeah. but like, I, I promise you, even if it is an 18 month loan, he will be at PSG this, this summer. Uh, we've got him there. We've got him on the left wing if we want. We got him as a 10 if we want. We've already got Barcola on the left wing if we want. Uh, we're, we're solid on the left wing. And on the right wing, of course, not that it, that's Mbappe's position, but we've got Dembele, Asensio, uh, Kangan Lee. I mean, Kangan Lee, he's, he's not like setting the world on fire, but he's not a bad third right winger to have. Uh, and he's also vers- versatile. We've seen he can play as a, like an 8-10 hybrid. Um, He's a bit Neymar-esque at times. The attack is sorted. We've also got Colomani and Ramos. I, I still I love Gonzalo Ramos's profile. I, I think he could really go off in the future if we give him a chance and if we suit the 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 play style to fit him a little bit better. And we've also got Asensio as a false nine if we ever want to do it. Um, I, I feel like we're set in attack. There's no reason. I mean, Javi Simons was uh, Simons was loaned out this season for a reason it's because they're just he's not gonna play over mbappe obviously and so now that mbappe will be gone just slot him right in the attack is set i I feel like it's people want us to go out and get osaman or or leao or someone like that and it's like i don't know why we'd spend more than 20 million on an attacker when we just spent 60 and 95 million on ramos and colmwani uh, we, we just spent so much money on them. We're not going to dump them out the door immediately unless we're going to be able to make that money back. And if Luis Enrique really hates that guy's profile, I, I don't see it happening. So it's unrealistic for me. All I want, real simple, I want us to get Lenny Oro from Lille. He's like probably the best French, well, he is the best French ball playing center back prospect. He's got to uh, be priority one. He's got to be yeah. the first sighted because. Yep. Real Madrid are sniffing around, and yep. you can't let them have Mbappe and Euro. It just can't happen. Totally agree. Uh, and then I want us to go out. I've always liked the idea, and I don't think it'll happen. I've really liked Ibrahim Okonate at uh, at Liverpool for a long time. Uh, and did he, did he play at Leipzig with Mukiele? I, th- I think he did, yeah. Okay, yeah. But yeah, he's from Paris. He's from East Paris, the 11th arrondissement. Um not that's not far from Bondi for anyone wondering uh, where Mbappe is from. So they're from like pretty close, uh, similar part of town. Uh, and I, I think he's a great center back. I don't expect to get both of them, especially because I think that Lucas Hernandez, if in if in two three years the the center back pairing is Lucas Hernandez and Lenny Oro, then I'll be thrilled. Uh, I feel like Lucas Hernandez will be. He'll never be like in the conversation of greatest center back in the world at the time, but I feel like he's 
uh, he's up there in the conversation for for best. So uh, that pairing, I feel like, is definitely good enough to fix our current defensive problems. Uh, especially we've got Nuno Mendes as well. But yeah, I want Lenny Oro, and then I want some sort of progressive uh, uh, midfield option. You know, someone who's attack minded. Vitinha's pretty good, and I really like Vitinha. But I just think if if we want to go pretty pretty, you know pedal to the metal as far as winning the Champions League. I want Bernardo Silva. Uh, his release clause is just $55 million. He's interested in playing for PSG. He's played in Liga before. Uh, and I, I think he would just be a, a great option. Because here's the thing. A lot of people might say, well, oh, Vitinha's going to lose his playing time. Or maybe we'll uh, take out Warren Zaire Emery at times. Well, not that PSG play, have the heaviest match schedule in the world. We have 34 league games and we only have one cup opposed to two. But if we can play all these guys, rotate them all out about evenly, and play all of our midfielders 80% of minutes in the season, then guys are going to be consistently you know, staying pretty fresh. And Luis Enrico will have plenty of midfield options to, uh, to go to. So cause right now, I feel like Asensio will play as, as an attacking midfielder uh, at times a little bit. And it doesn't work bad, but he's really the only guy that can kind of half do it. And other other than that, as far as true midfielders, you know, uh, eights, it's just Warren Zaire Emery and Vitinha. Soler hasn't played in forever. I, I kind of forgot he was at the club, honestly. And Ruiz has more been a backup to Ugarte recently. So I, I just want Yoro and Bernardo Silva or someone like them. And then I think we're ready to just give this team a couple years. Uh, another thing we could touch on, or I'll just touch on, is that Luis Enrique should get a contract extension soon. I say as soon as we beat Sociedad, yeah, then yeah. give him an extension. But uh, just give that, you know, with the additions I just mentioned, give those guys two years, time to cook under Enrique, build the system. Is Luis Enrique the best coach in the world? No, like Pep's probably better. But if you give him time to implement the system, then we've seen how effective it can be as he, he made it known uh, at Barcelona about uh, eight, nine years ago. So anyway, that was kind of long for me, but I want to know, who do you want? I know you've talked about Sesco just a little bit. Um, yeah, let me hear your take on yeah. squad additions. Yeah, so I mentioned, I jumped in there earlier, Letty Euro has to be a priority one. We need help defensively. We need to add some uh, height to this squad. So he would be number one, and and I think PSG probably should be negotiating with him and, and Leo right now so we can get that deal done as soon as possible, as soon as the window opens up. I want that to be day one announcement. Here we go. Letting Euro to PSG, that has to be it. And it feels, it feels like it's something that could happen. So um, I think there's mutual interest. I think his agent is familiar with PSG, and so we've, we've done deals. So hopefully that can be something. You mentioned Benjamin Sesco over at Leipzig. Really like him. Traditional striker, sort of like a Lewandowski type. I think he's six foot three. He's a great goal scorer. Again, we need to add height to the squad. We talk a lot about set pieces. Having a Benjamin Sesco in there would be great. At 20 years old, I think you can bring him in, bring him along a little slowly, get him some, um, you know, he's going to have experience in the Champions League with Leipzig, but I don't think you can ever have enough young players like that, you know, in the squad. And so, I, he's a player. I think if you have the opportunity, I think you got to jump on that. I don't love Victor Oshman. He's a he's a player. I think would 
probably prefer a move to the Premier League. And if he came to PSG, it might be just because we're the only ones who can afford him. He doesn't really want to be here. I think we need to get away from that. We need players here who want to be here. So um, I like Sesco. I like Lenny Euro. I like your guy, Bernardo Silva. You said $55 million. That seems pretty reasonable for a player of his quality and experience. Bring him in. And I, I think, you know, working alongside Javi Simmons, I think those two would be great. I don't like Marcus Rashford. I'd pass on him. There's the, the guy at Newcastle, Bruno Gomerich. I think he's a player that seemed linked with PSG in January. He's another midfielder. If you if you don't feel confident in what you have, maybe he's a player you can you can sign as well. I wouldn't be terribly upset with that. But overall I think PSG don't have that many holes in the squad, even with Mbappe leaving. I don't think you need to spend the full 125 or 200 million. I think you can be strategic and you just bring in a couple of young guys who want to be here. I think that'd be great. One one player to keep your eye on. You mentioned Liverpool with Konate. Virgil van Dijk is a player. I think he's coming up on the last year of his deal. We know Klopp is leaving. He he he's your prototypical center back. He's everything that you would want in a center back. Could could there be something there? Could you sign uh Van Dyke if if Liverpool are entertaining uh offers? I I kick the tires on it. I at least see if he would be interested in what it would take to sign him. So um yeah but mostly defensively and in the midfielder that's where I would concentrate most of the money. And then if Benjamin Sesco is available at Leipzig um Maybe you could sign him. There's the other guy. I'm just going to look it up over uh, over at Bologna. Um, Joshua Xerxes. I think he's another player. Uh, very promising. 22 years old. He's having a great season at Bologna under Thiago Mata. He'd be another striker. If you feel like you need to bring in someone in the attack uh, just for some cover, injury, that sort of thing, someone promising you could bring along, maybe you look at him as well. So I think we're, we're kind of on the same page there with uh, transfers. But any final thoughts on that before we move on? Yeah, I did not know that Xerxes was at Bologna. That's weird. Um, yeah, <laughs> huh? That that feels like something you'd see in FIFA. Like, uh, you know, in, in FIFA, you get really weird transfers. The longer yeah. you go on, like, I know people send in, uh, they post screenshots of, you know, it's the year twenty twenty nine, and and Neymar's thirty seven just signed for Notts County in England. <laughs> it's like that. That almost feels like, yeah, I just would not have guessed that Xerxes was at Bologna. But yeah, he's um, there. You know, he's yeah. um. Well, I mean, he's, he's got, got a great manager. So a great manager. He's, he's got he's, eight goals, four yeah. assists, and twenty three appearances in Serie A. Bologna yeah. playing really well. So oh, yeah, they're in European spots. Yeah. Also, we've touched on this totally out of context. But, yeah. Um. Yeah. Togo Mota. That's a future PSG manager. You can almost book it. Yep. And yeah. I like the stability. I like your idea of giving Luis Enrique yeah. um, a contract. Let's get that stability. Uh, Ethan, we're we're running long here, but we got a, a couple more things that we need to talk about because we're recording, you know, now it's about an hour after the match ended. PSG defeated Nantes. Um, and I got to ask you because when the lineups came out, Mbappe – and several others, let's let's not forget, um, who started against Real Sociedad, they were benched for the game against Nantes. There's been a lot of different opinions on this. I want to know what your take is on Luis Enrique benching Mbappe uh, for what turned out to be about 60 minutes because then Mbappe was brought in for the final 30, and he actually won a penalty and converted it. So... I'll give my my take on it, but what is your take on Mbappe not starting this match against Knotts just two days after uh, the game on Wednesday? 
Yeah, I, I originally I was thinking, um, you know, just squad rotation. That's that's fair. And then I noticed a lot of people saying, "Oh no, they're going to bench him the rest of the season," or "This is punishment." Uh, and I was like, "All right, that I'm just I almost didn't even want to entertain it. That just seems far fetched to me. I think we're clearly past. You know, we're, we're likely going to be in the Champions League quarterfinals. I, I don't think we're benching our best player for the rest of the season. Let's be real." Um, yeah, especially as a club who's never won the Champions League, is currently on the the rise. We're not benching him for the rest of the year. But some people were speculating that that might actually be the case. I thought it was baloney. I was telling some people, all right, let's. He benched him for a game, but he's played something like all, basically all minutes in 27 of his last 29 games. Uh, one of those was only it was because of injury that he didn't play the full match. That was Le Classique against Marseille, where he came out at the 32nd minute or so. But basically, all but one of his last 29 games, he's played basically every minute he's been available. And so it's like, you got to rest him at some point. I mean, we just, I mean, it was nice of the Coupe de France to move our match from late February to mid-March. That that kind of helps with the fi- fixture congestion this month. But I was just thinking, no, it's just rotation. I was telling people, if he gets benched next week as well, then, you know, they might have a point. Uh, but then he came on in the 60th minute. It's like, well, he didn't get, he didn't get bent. He's not getting punished. He, he, he freaking played. He, he scored a goal. He won himself a penalty. At the end of the game, when we were killing the game off, he went over to the right wing and he was getting all creative, trying to have some fun with it, uh, see if he can cook their, their left back. And I feel like all these rumors of, no, like PSG, like what a, what a shameful club, you know, dropping their best player um, was immediately, you know, by the 60th minute was dispelled because I don't think you can even seriously consider that uh, anymore. I saw right when that was all coming out, I saw you said some stuff that probably goes against what my opinion just was. A little bit, yeah, but yeah, go on and then I'll jump in. Uh, no, I think that was just about the end of my point. Um but yeah, no, I want to hear what you have to say about it. Okay, so Mbappe, a, a couple of things. Mbappe is not your your typical PSG player, typical footballer. I don't put him on the same level as Hakimi and others. He is special, and he's a superstar. And when he wants to play, he plays. I think since he came to PSG, he's pretty much played. If he's healthy, he he wants to play. We saw him uh, when uh, Tuchel took him out of the match when he was at PSG. There was a little blow up because Mbappe does not like coming off. He does not like not playing. He is hyper competitive and he wants to play in every match. Sometimes he's injured and he doesn't play like we saw before the match. Um, I think it was at Lille. He didn't play because he had a little bit of an injury uh, to his ankle. So he didn't play in that one. So he'd be well rested against Real Sociedad. When you go back and look at all of PSG's Champions League matches this season, Mbappe played in every single match following a Champions League match. Um, He played a full 90 minutes except for one where I think he was subbed off in extra time um, towards the end of the match. So he plays. We saw uh, against Ravel in January, an amateur side, six tier or something like that, played 90 minutes. 90 minutes against guys who have like a day job. So for me, I thought, okay, you're benching him in this match. And it's coincidentally 
just a few days after this whole news came out that he's going to be leaving. Maybe it was for squad rotation. Maybe he needs a rest. My whole thing was this creates unnecessary speculation. It causes people to maybe raise eyebrows. Fabrizio Romano had tweeted out the fact that Mbappe wasn't starting. He also mentioned that the other players, but if Mbappe was starting and maybe Hakimi was left on the bench, Fabrizio Romano is not tweeting, Hakimi's on the bench. He's just not. So when, when you bench Mbappe, it's a major story because he plays all the time. And I also feel like you can't have it both ways, okay? If you if you tell me it's for squad rotation, oh, he might have an injury, he needs to be rested, then why play him at all? He came in uh, for the last 30 minutes and PSG were already up 1-0. Why bring him in, in at all in that at that point? Just leave him on the bench. You, you have plenty of uh, quality players on the bench that you could bring him on instead. If he's carrying an injury, you know, Leave him on the bench. So I don't I don't know what it is, and I feel like it creates unnecessary speculation. And we already know just because of the nature of Mbappe, there's already um, a, just a magnifying glass. There's all these people looking at PSG. They're watching every move. And I just thought benching him was not the right decision. Start him. Play him 45 minutes in the first half, then take him off. I don't think anyone would have an issue with that. But the fact that you bench him from the, the outset – and it's also like, think about this, you're sitting, you know, we're in February, they're in Nantes, it's probably cold, he's sitting there. Could you risk an injury? He has to come in on the second half. Wouldn't it be better? Hey, Mbappe, go out, warm up, get your muscles all fired, and and then we're going to bring you on, we're going to play you for 45 minutes, and then we'll rest you. I feel like that would if, if that would have been a better strategy than we're going to bench you, we're going to cause a whole bunch of turmoil on social media and speculation and Fabrizio is going to tweet about you and then we're going to bring you in for the final 30 minutes after you've been sitting for an hour and a half and you're you're nice and cold and that's when we're going to do it I didn't understand that at all so that's sort of my perspective but I guess at the end of the day I do agree with resting him I think he does play too much I think we do need to save him for the bigger matches I would have just left him on the bench for the entire game if you're going to do it follow through and do it for the whole game yeah, I think if we were up 3-0 by the time he got subbed on, then I don't think he would have played. Uh, I think we, we, sort of, we, could, we could afford to drop points, too. Let's also not forget. No, we, I know. We can. Yeah. De- we definitely can, but um, I don't hate that we went for it and got the three points. We're going to be 14 or 12 points clear of, of uh, second place. Um, the more the bigger, I mean, yeah, it's not a huge deal, but the bigger gap that we can create between us and second place will really, I mean, in, in the future for our quarterfinal matches, uh, I don't want to see Mbappe play the matches right before those, um, just because you know we have this massive gap, this lead now, and I know we came in with an eleven or uh, ten or eleven point lead, but. I, I and I agree with you. I think starting him and then subbing him off at half or at sixty minutes would have been better. But I, I don't think it's all cracked up to be. I mean, I know apparently Luis Enrique made the decision by himself. It wasn't the management or you know the board. Sorry. Um, it's you know I, I'm sure that he knew that there would be all this talk about it. Uh, like I think there's a big difference between playing. 60 and 30 minutes in a match i think once you've played 60 plus that's when you see guys truly get tired on the pitch a lot of the times uh, you know they, they just played a full half 
And then they've been going hard for about 15 minutes after halftime. And for guys that, uh, of course, players play through it all the time, but I think that's when fatigue can really start to set in. And I, I think Luis Enrique went with the, hey, we'll play you, but we don't want you to have to spend, you know, hardly any time uh, rehabbing or in the in the the physio room after this. So we'll play you thirty minutes. You'll you'll be able to play, and we'll keep you a little bit match sharp. But I don't want you playing any anywhere over you know anywhere near minutes that could cause fatigue to set in. Because I think when fatigue, uh, true fatigue sets in, I think that's when injuries go up. Uh, at least that's what we see in American sports. So. Um, I, I just don't, I don't hate any of the decisions and, you know, people will speculate and talk about it, but I don't think anyone will be talking about this tomorrow. He, he got subbed on. I'm sure he'll start next week. Uh, yeah, to me, I'm, I'm not too pressed about it. Most PSG fans believe that he plays too much. So, oh, this quote unquote, punish, this quote unquote punishment is probably for his own good. Uh, you know, we get he's hyper competitive. It probably should have been done going back to yeah. Tuchel and pa- I mean, yeah, all of these. Totally men, I mean, we've been calling we, like I would say ne- rest Neymar and yep. boom injury. Like yep. we need to rest these players. My whole thing is he's never ever been rested ever. No, I, yeah, I, I get it, and of course, yeah, the, I'm sure the timing is is inf- it's you know it's a big influence on it. But uh, another thing, PSG in recent years hasn't often had a two nil cushion from the first leg of the round of 16 champions league tie that's true so now we're thinking you know it's we we usually lose the first leg or draw and then we're kind of in danger mode going to their home most of the time in the second leg and it's a lot of all right let's you know mbappe is just going to go full throttle clearly you know because he's i mean especially last year we were fighting for the liga title against Lons. Lons got 84 points that that uh last year Right now, the team in second place, Nice or whoever, they're not even on pace to get like 75. So they're not going to get anywhere near us. Uh, the second place team in Liga was much better last year. So, and, and we were fighting for our Champions League lives for most of the season, you know, fighting to win the group. And, then and last did, season, I think it was Bayern Munich when they knocked us out. It was on a Wednesday, and then, and then Mbappe did play ninety minutes the following match on a Saturday. So yeah. same same time frame. Yeah. But you're right; it was a different manager, and the league was a little bit tighter. So I guess you could justify yeah. it then. But is player safety, player health, not the priority? If it is now, maybe it wasn't then. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like we, we can afford to not play him as much this season because Luis Enrique is a far better manager than Galtier was. He's clearly got a much better grasp on the Champions League. Uh, the fact that we didn't win our group, I don't blame Luis Enrique for that. The, the XG and the numbers said we should have blown away that group of death. So, yes, And yeah. now we're probably going to be in the quarterfinals. So yeah, we can actually afford to not play Kylian Mbappe until he gets an yes. injury. Because you know, last year, he got an injury in January. It's true. Was, yeah. was was that for you know because he was overplayed? Probably not, but it's you still don't want to risk it. So no, yeah. yeah. At the end of the day, I think all PSG supporters can agree, resting him is the right thing. I maybe would have went about it a little bit differently. I maybe would have been setting the precedent of resting him and other key players, you know, going throughout the season. But this is the way Luis Enrique is going about it. 
He's been, you know, he hasn't lost since early November. So let's put our faith in him. I don't think there's any drama. I don't think PSG are not punishing him or anything like that. I think this is ultimately going to be a good thing as we uh, look forward. Um, Ethan, we're going to be wrapping up here, but outside of the benching of Mbappe, was there anything in this match against Nas that you wanted to call out? Anything stand out to you? Uh, hmm. Uh, well, the squad rotation, uh, I feel like last, uh, the game today, kind of went similar to the game on Wednesday. Obviously, the two teams were playing us very differently, but we kind of got goals around the same time. I felt like the flow of the game was somewhat similar, and that was a little bit funky. Um, the defense, though, cons- I mean, we got a clean sheet today, but, you know, somehow. Some really uh, good last-ditch uh, defending. I saw yes, Lucas Hernandez broke yeah. something up. Donnarumma had to come off his line. Marquinhos. Mar- Marquinhos made a block, yeah. But <laughs> yep. uh, we've seen more often than not this season when Marquinhos uh, or Danilo has to make a last-second block. More often than, than not, they're they're not getting there. And that's what's turned a lot of clean sheets into, you know, games we win, but the opponent scored a goal. So, um, yeah, I mean, good job of them to to clear it, to prevent a goal. But uh, the defense still scares me a little bit. I'm just, I'm just, I just can't wait till Nuno Mendes comes back. And then hopefully we've got officially a... Officially not on the medical report. So yeah. he is, I don't think we'll see him against Sociedad, uh, Real Sociedad on uh, March 5th, but maybe in the next round if yeah, we get through. Yeah, I, I, I'm guessing that Nuno Mendes will be on the bench uh, against, who do we have next week? Ren? It's on Sunday. So we have an eight-day break uh, between matches. I think it's Ren. Whoever we're playing next week, I bet he'll be on the bench for that. Uh, I don't know if he'll play, but you know that'll be a kind of a promising sign. And yeah, Ren, um, uh home against Ren on and February twenty fifth, gotcha. and then away and then at Monaco, Monaco March first. Which which that'll be our game right before. Yep. So see Dad, uh just early prediction that we'll lose to Monaco away because we always do. And then Do people, you think they'll do anything for Mbappe? Being being that that's the club he was at before PSG mm, and if he's leaving, do you think qu- Monaco has a, a video montage? Ooh, good question. Uh you know what? I'm gonna guess yes. I think they will. That's actually a good point that you brought that up. Um, I think they'll do something. Yeah, maybe maybe they'll have a maybe like I know Monaco has probably the weakest fan base in Liga, but uh, maybe they're all eight of their supporters will make a tifo <laughs> with. Uh, no, I know. Sorry, I, I don't want to do Monaco dirty like that. It's just they just don't have a lot of fans. I think it's clear the Stade Louis de has the weakest atmosphere in Liga, but it's one of the coolest looking stadiums too. It is. It's so cool. It's right by the. It's just across the street is is France. It's right on the French border, right on the water. Uh, yeah, the architecture is super neat. Uh, I wish they had a great fan base. They'll probably be in the Champions League next season. There's no reason for them not to. I guess maybe just the yeah, um, not a lot of people in Monaco. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I think they have that's other it. things, a lot to do in Monaco. Yeah, they do, and and you know they're right, they're very close to Nice. So I feel like if you don't live in Monaco, if you live in France, you're probably a Nice supporter living in that area. So that also probably hurts them. But or or um, maybe you're Marseille. You know, the, all they're the a little farther away, but yeah, I mean, coast. you have Nice and Marseille, two two of the biggest clubs in the country, uh, right down there. So, um, but no, I'm excited to see. I hope Nuno Mendes. Uh, Hernandez, Marquinhos, Hakimi. I hope that's our back line pretty soon. Because I think, uh, I mean, if Marquinhos is the weak link on that back line, I don't think we're doing too bad. You know, it's a lot of these times where we've had 
horrific Champions League eliminations where Marquinhos is supposed to be the the better of the center backs. So if he's the worst of the center backs, then I, I think I can live with that. Um, but if he's the worst guy in defense for us, then I think we're doing better. We're doing pretty good there. Fantastic. And then for me against Nons, let's first give credit Don Roma clean sheet. I know he didn't have a lot to do, but the big man, ever since getting uh, sent off against Lahav back in December, I feel like he's been pretty solid. We haven't been screaming his name and complaining yeah. about any silly mistakes. So knock on wood that he continues up his uh, stellar play. I thought Lucas Hernandez, we mentioned, he had the great last ditch uh, save or uh, diving tackle to, to prevent Knotts from scoring uh, in the first half. I thought that Knotts were seconds away from scoring he comes sliding in and great tackle from him so i thought he performed really well i don't love zaire emery again playing on the right side of the defense back there i don't you know i know he gets forward and does a lot of different things and has a lot of mobility but i just i just don't know if we're using him the best way there and maybe with nuno mendez coming back and get hakimi back in there maybe this is just a one-off or something but i didn't love that and i thought king and lee on the wing it's just a little disappointing but He's he's had a tough he, he you know international duty coming in this summer he just hasn't had a good spell of minutes so it's hard to be too you know harsh on him but I didn't think he had a great game and just overall I know we scored two goals but in the first half Kolomwani with Mbappe looking on I just wanted to see more from him um, maybe this to your credit your guy Rama should have been in that. Um, spot maybe he maybe it's time for him to get an opportunity if Kolomani is not going to take these opportunities uh, when he gets a start with Mbappe on the bench uh, maybe we try and give Ramos an opportunity so we'll see there but overall a good solid team victory against Nantes in Ligue 1 PSG extending their league at the top of Ligue 1 so that's looking good we've got the Coupe de France that's still rolling we've talked about the Champions League March 5th we'll see if PSG can advance hopefully it'll be the first time in two seasons if I'm not mistaken that PSG will advance past the round of 16 so let's hope that we can keep this positive results going again we haven't lost since early November so let's keep it rolling and uh things are looking positive and everything Mbappe let's just everybody calm the future is bright this was a little bit of a, you know, the benching, a little bit of controversy, but I feel like it's all going to be forgotten after today. Anyway, Ethan, any final words before we let you run? Uh, no, I don't think so. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Thank you for subscribing. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and leave us a review if you can. Really would appreciate that. Visit phgtalk.com for all your Paris Saint-Germain news. And over on Substack, we've got some of our Twitter spaces. So if you missed that, you can go and listen to that. And we've got some columns left for myself as well. So again, thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone.